0: Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening.
1: Hey, good morning, everybody. How's y'all doing today? You guys are having a good time in church, man. It has been incredible. No matter what location you're at, man, our worship team kills it. Y'all make some noise for them. They do such a good job every single week, and we are so thankful for them. Uh, If we have not met, my name's Justin. I'm the next-gen pastor here, and I get the privilege of talking with you today and sharing with you, Um, but also, I'm super excited because, you know, it is fall, everybody. Who here loves fall? Anybody? Anybody? Like, here's the deal. I turn into, like, a basic white girl. Like, you know how, like, like caterpillars turn into butterflies and in the cocoon? Like, summer, all summer long, I'm, like, dealing with it. And then the first day of fall, I'm, like, if it was more socially acceptable to wear Uggs and a scarf, like, your boy would be right there. I love pumpkin. Anybody? Pumpkin spice, anybody? You love the pumpkin spice. Here's the deal, that No one really likes pumpkin. You like pumpkin spice because no one's over there eating pumpkin straight out of the core, right? We love pumpkin spice. We love flavors. We love sugars. All the things of fall. So it is incredible. I've been... Kind of my calories, watching my weight, trying to slim down a little bit because I know fall is coming. And I can't just like snowball effect and get bigger and bigger every year because that would happen for sure. Man, we're finishing up a series called Fighting for Control, and it's going to be incredible as we finish up the series. Before we get into that, I want to just highlight uh, one thing about tonight. We got Celebration Night, which is going to be right here. Uh, at, well, actually, it's at our North Campus uh, on uh, tonight at 5 o'clock. It's going to be incredible. We're going to have an extended time of worship. We're going to have a uh, communion. And we're gonna have just a great time. We're gonna have a time in prayer. We're just again a time for us to celebrate all that God is doing in our gathering. We hope that you can make it. But also tonight after celebration night, we're having a special fundraiser for our Velocity student movement because we are raising funds starting right now to be able to go on a missions trip next summer. Okay, so come tonight, come to celebration night, get your worship on, have communion, all that stuff. But then make sure you stick around for the Velocity fundraiser. Actually, right now we have a benevolence breakfast at both locations. Our incredible cafe team has said, you know what, we're going to take the money from our benevolence breakfast. And actually, it's going to be a missions breakfast. And they're working with us. Y'all, make some noise for the cafe team. Chandra and Diane, you kill it all the time. So thankful for you. And they have said, this is what I love about our church. And if you're brand new to church, you've come back from church. You don't know what kind of church this is. This is a church we say everybody's welcome. Anyone struggling with anything, anyone walking through anything, doesn't matter what your story is, doesn't matter what your beliefs are, you are welcome here. And this is one thing I love about our church is we all come together because our student pastor Isaiah was talking with Chandra uh, and Diane who lead our cafe team was like, hey, could you help us with some things? And they were like, that's what we're here for. Like, that's exactly why we have a cafe team is to love on and connect and help. So they're helping out in an incredible way. So I'm super thankful for them. So make sure you go today, get your breakfast, even if you already ate breakfast, just throw some money at the Velocity Student Movement missions trip, okay? Because these students, here's the deal. The reason we're doing a trip is because it will change students' lives. It's not just because we want to go somewhere and do something we've never done before. It's because we want students to be confronted with the reality that their faith can be powerful and can be active right now, and that can carry them all through their life. So come today, go to Benevolence Breakfast, get some breakfast. It's an incredible food. But then also tonight, come ready. There's going to be $5 for a meal. You can pay more than $5 if you want to. But come tonight after celebration night, buy some dinner. Y'all going to do that? Okay, we'll raise about $10. Bucks. It'll be great. It's going to be so fun. Don't worry about it. So we're we're finishing up this series called Fighting for Control where really we've been looking at this idea of all of us can associate and connect with the idea that too many things control us. Right? And we're tired of everything else having control over us, whether it's a manager or a boss, or maybe you got young kids and they're just demanding all the time because kids don't know patience and they don't know manners. That's why parents got to teach them patience and manners. Maybe it's an alarm clock. You hate mornings getting up. No matter what it is, we are controlled by all sorts of things. If nothing else, maybe you work in Tampa and you get in traffic every day going into work, every day going out of work, and you hate it because you don't have control over it. But the reality is in order for us to have freedom, what we all desire is freedom. In order to have freedom, we have to have control over certain things in our lives. And we've talked through the last few weeks, we've talked to a few things. First thing we talked about is we have to have control and fight for control over our growth. And the first thing we talked about is how what grows inside of us will have control over us. That no matter what, you have things growing in you. Like your life is going in a direction and what you are allowing to grow in you will have control over over you so you need to make sure you control what's growing inside of you and then last week we talked about how happiness is not a destination it's a decision it's a choice that you can choose to be happy right now because for a lot of us we feel like we have no control over our emotions no control over our happiness and we believe once i achieve something once i get to a certain area then i'll be happy but that's putting happiness in the control of someone else or something else And we want to fight to have control over our happiness. And today, what we're going to talk about, we're going to finish this series talking about something that I think all of us can connect with. All of us, you either have this or you will have this. And today, what we're talking about is having control and fighting for control over our past and really putting our past in its place. Because if you've lived enough life, you've made dumb decisions, haven't you? Like four people have. Some of y'all, you, like, you've lived enough life, you just haven't admitted you made some dumb decisions, right? Like, if you make bad decisions with money, what does that make you? A grown-up, right? Like, here, here's the deal. You, if you live enough life, you will make bad decisions, you will have things happen, and you will have a past. And generally what happens is you get bondage and baggage from your past. And the bondage comes in where it's things that you did. Like decisions that you made, and all of us have things we can look back at life and go, yeah, I made that. And we own it. We say, I made that decision. I did choose that thing, and it has put me in bondage. It's controlled something else in my life from here on out, and I'm tired of it controlling something. Like I've made dumb decisions. If you made dumb decisions, make some noise in the house because people need to know. (laughs) Haven't we all made dumb decisions? But it's not just things that you do. It's also things that happen to you. And we can put our hands together and laugh about, most of us can laugh about the dumb things we've done, but few of us laugh about the things that happened to us. Because that's where we get a lot of baggage. That's where it's like, I don't know why they did that. And maybe this was an authority figure in your life. Maybe this was a person you were married to. Maybe this was a boss you had. Maybe this is a sibling you had. But there are things that were done to you. And because of things done to you, now you carry them around like bondage and baggage. And you go, man, everything is revolving around that thing, that hurt, that disappointment, that whatever the situation was, a lot of your life is revolving around the things that were done to you. And your past still has control over you. And that's why we got to talk about this, because when you have control over your past, you'll be able to live in freedom in the future. But if you don't fight to have control over your past, your past will continue having control over you. And some of you have experienced this. Maybe you're not the one living in baggage, but you're living with someone living with baggage. And you're being punished right now for something someone else did before. Or you're the person sitting there going, I don't mean to be this way. I just can't get over this. And whatever happened in my past is hurting me. It's continuing to hurt me. It's continuing to have control. And that's why we have to talk about this. I know and I really believe this is that so many people, we're going to have freedom today. We're going to understand that we can walk in a new way of life. Even if you're like, Justin, I'm not sure about the Jesus thing. I'm not sure about any of that stuff. Here's the truth that I know is you probably have bondage or baggage from your past that you want freedom from. And what I believe about Jesus is when he said he wants to give us life to the fullest, he really meant that. And life to the fullest means that I'm not controlled by the bondage or baggage of my past. Because while every single one of us have a past, not every single one of us are controlled by our past. So there must be something that we can do in order to control our past, in order to take this step to walk in newness of life. See, because whether you've had things done to you or you've done things that have hurt you, I believe God has got a second and third and fourth chances. that God just keeps giving you opportunity and opportunity and opportunity. If you're thankful for that, wouldn't you put your hands together that God continues to give us chances and chances and chances? Because here's the deal. If you look through the scriptures, you're going to see people blow it all the time. Like all the time people are blowing it. But here's also the truth. If you looked at my life and I looked at your life, we're blowing it all the time. So we can find comfort in the reality that God gives us multiple chances. We're going to look today at the life of a guy who blew it uh, beyond measure. He had so much potential. He had so much power, but he also kind of just blew the whole thing. And a lot of you have heard about this story. You know part of this story. We're going to go over and kind of quick overview the guys entirely. Like this. this dude's named Samson. He's found in the Old Testament. If you go way back, if you're looking in your Bible, which you should always look in your Bible to make sure what I'm saying is actually accurate, I'm not just making stuff up up here, someone told me today I said, "You're lying on the stage because you say your kids aren't monsters, or your kids are monsters, and every time I see your kids, they're not monsters. or you don't see my kids all day. I love them, something fierce, but they also have something fierce in them, you know what I'm saying? But here's the deal. You go all the way back to the beginning of the scriptures, and the scriptures are a collection of books, writings, letters, narratives, so that's why there's all different titles in there. You go back at the very beginning, there's this book called Judges, right towards the beginning. And What Judges is, is God pulled his people out of captivity. He said, I want you to walk in the bondage or baggage from your past. I want you to walk in a new way of life. He put them up in a new area, a new civilization. Hey, I'm going to bless all these people. He chose this person, Abram, and said, I'm going to bless the whole world through you, and you're going to be my people like a father and child. I'm going to show everyone how good I am by how I interact with you. And he pulls him out of this slavery eventually. And then there's this new area. And he said, I don't want you to have a king because I will rule as your king. I'll institute judges to rule over you because you do need to have some leadership. So I'm going to put judges there. And there's several different judges, people who came along. And they, they ruled. And God chose people to rule in place. Now, eventually, Israel is like, every other nation has a king. Everyone else has a king. God, we want a king. And I think God, like any parental figure, would be like, well, I'm not any other nation's king or God. Like what their God allows them to do, they can do, right? But I am your God, and I'm going to control what we do here. It's actually funny if you read through the scriptures, you see eventually Israel did get a king, and it wasn't as great as they thought it was. But so you have this section of history that you have these judges ruling over Israel in God's place, and Samson was one of these judges, and he had tremendous potential. He had tremendous power, but he also blew it in a huge way. And I think a lot of us, while we can't associate and connect with his power and his, his potential, we can totally connect with him blowing it because we've blown it. And this is how the story starts. We've got to start all the way back at the beginning to understand the whole thing. This is how it starts in Judges 13. Y'all with me today? Awesome. Both locations. We're ready to go. It says, again, the Israelites did evil on the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years, and a certain man, Of Zorah, named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her. An angel shows up. Actually, when you look through the scriptures, if it says the angel, it's actually Jesus himself showing up there. If you read through the story, you're going to see she didn't know this was an angel. She just thought it was some dude showing up says, so the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because a boy is to be a Nazarite. We'll talk about what a Nazarite is in a second. He's dedicated to God from the movement. He would take and lead the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. See, when we can't have a baby, which is sad, which is a horrible situation. Some of you have walked through that infertility, and it's difficult for you. And the angel, God shows up and says, hey, you will get pregnant, and but I want you to not take any fermented drink, no wine. I don't want you to even eat grapes, the seeds, any part of the grape. And then you're going to have a child, but he's going to be set apart. And Nazarite was a voluntary vow people would make most of the time. See, Samson didn't choose to do this because it was told to do this for him. But a Nazarite vow was something where someone would say, I want to be dedicated. I want to be set apart for a season to do a special work for God. And there was, there was three rules, basically. And You saw these three rules. There was no, no wine or fermented drink, which some of you were like, I'm out. Can't do that. Actually, it was even grapes. It wasn't just about the alcohol part. It was no grapes, can't eat the seeds, the peels, any part of this. It was you can't cut your hair at all. And then the last thing is that, that you uh, couldn't touch or even be around dead things. Like even if you read through in numbers where it lists out this is how like, you're supposed to handle this vow. It says even if you're in the house and somebody dies, you got to leave immediately because you can't be around dead stuff because you're special. You're set apart for a special service, special work. And the last thing is you're supposed to finish your time of service, of dedication, being set apart with a special sacrifice. And again, this was voluntary. It's like, I just want to go above and beyond. Like, I just want to serve Jesus. But what God said to this mother is that your child will be set apart from day one. I'm going to do something special. And you see, even the special thing, and this is where the reality is a lot of times, the the things that we restrict ourselves, this is something with leadership. I restrict myself because I'm leading people and I love people. Like, I don't have to restrict myself because I love people. I want to lead people. I do willingly do that. In the same way you see here with Samson, he willingly, or not so willingly because, again, it's from the womb, he restricts himself because what is he supposed to do? He's going to take the lead in delivering his people. And you see Samson, he grows up and he's running around and all sorts of things. And he had tremendous potential and he had tremendous power, but he also had tremendous passion. And some of us know about this passion thing because that's how we got the past and the story that we have is because we have so much passion. And one way to be sure to have a story that you're going to be ashamed of later is to let passion drive for you in life and to just follow your passions, just do what you want to do. And we see this with Samson. Actually, God blessed him with this incredible gift where he would have a supernatural strength come upon him. Now, this is just my opinion, okay? This is not, like, in the Bible. I think Samson, like, you guys all see Samson as, like, this massive, like, Dwayne the Rock Johnson kind of dude, right? Like he's massive, 6'6, 280, solid muscle, right? That's how we envision him. I don't think that's how he actually looked. This is just my thought. I think he was probably like, like 5'7, 5'8, probably like a buck 75. That's just normal, cause because here's the deal. Because if he was massive, everyone would expect him to be really strong. But it's a supernatural strength going in and through him that I think would make people go, oh my goodness, how could this little dude, this scrawny guy, be so strong and powerful? So Samson's rolling around, and he goes down. This is, we're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to look through his life. This is four chapters in Judges. You could read this for yourself this afternoon if you want to. But we're going to look at a couple of highlights. So Samson's rolling around. He goes down to Timna. This is chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. It says, and he saw a young Philistine woman. When he returned to his father and mother, he said, Mom and Dad, I find myself a fine Philistine. Basically, that's what he said. I don't I didn't look at the Hebrew on that, but I think that's what he said. No, he says, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Again, he had tremendous power and potential, but also passion. He's saying, get her for me. And then you can see, this is where we get the geographic area. His family is from the southern part of Israel. He said, his father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable among a woman amongst your relatives or among all your people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? Some of you got that southern part. But Samson said to his father, the slow people are getting it right now. Get her for me. She's the right one for me. And Samson, even in this, he is becoming a personification of the entire nation of Israel. See, he comes in, again, a bad way to start your story, start your life, and a way to have an embarrassing past is to let your passions dictate everything for you. A second way is to just make sure that you're always the smartest person in the room. So he said, this one, I want that one. That one's for me. I'm going to get her for me. His dad's like, Samson, like, like, the reason we shouldn't marry these people is not have anything to do with interracial marriages. Like, that's totally fine to do. There's nothing against that. But the reason is that they have different gods, a different religion, a different value system than we do. And who you're married to makes a big impact on your life. And you're going to be drawn away from what God's called you to do when you're chasing after things that God doesn't want you to chase after. But Samson, again, makes sure he's the smartest person in the room. Now, I know what I need. This is what I want. This is what I need. Get this for me because I want it right now. And you see through the next chapter, Samson and his parents go walk down to Timna to be in the area. And actually, this lion jumps up and tries to attack them. And Samson takes and rips the lion apart with his bare hands. That, that supernatural strength that God gave him for moments where it would come upon him. He, he kills his animal. He walks. They go there. They see them. They come back home. Then they're walking there again at Timna because they're going to have a wedding celebration, a feast. And he sees on his walk back, he sees uh, this dead carcass, this lion, and sees a, a beehive in there with honey in it. And he goes in and reaches his hand in and grabs the honey to eat it. Now, y'all say gross. I think that's disgusting. Apparently, you do not. That's okay, though. But what was one of the rules for Samson as being a Nazarite, being set apart, one of the ways to show he was special and going to do something special for God was he couldn't touch anything dead. But he didn't value that so much. Why? Because I think, honestly, he remembered the supernatural strength he had, and he thought, God's totally fine with me doing whatever I want. Again, I have tremendous power and potential, so I can achieve enough and don't worry about these things that I'm doing that I probably shouldn't be doing because I can just outperform my bad decisions. Sound familiar to anyone's thought processes? I can out-earn my stupid decisions. I can outperform my poor character. Or like I can do what I want to, and people like these things about me enough that it's going to overshadow things. The reality is, though, what's done in private is eventually going to come to the public area. And a fractured private character will not free you or protect you from things in your public view. And here's the deal, this is why we got to fight for control of things. Because something will control you. So Samson, they go down and they, after he eats the, the honey, he actually gives the honey to his parents too, which I wonder if he told them like, yeah, I got this from that dead animal over there. You want some honey? It's great. It's really good for your allergies this time of year. So he goes and he throws this big wedding supper, this feast, basically he throws a kegger right? Like they're going to have fun. They're going to have a good time. Now, again, this is in scripture. It's it's not in there, but I'm assuming like if, if we're real life and real talk, like if I'm throwing a party where there's excessive amounts of alcohol, the chances of me staying dry the whole time are very slim because everyone's having a good time. I'd like to have a good time with everybody. So while I I don't, you know, it doesn't say in the passage that he drank, I'm assuming like He probably drank something, Samson, right? Because he goes down and he throws this big party. And what happens through this party is he comes up with his riddle. Because he's a big man. He knows, hey, I'm going to make the. he makes this riddle. And he talks to the, the Philistine, the enemies. He's kind of taunting them. Hey, here's this riddle. If you can figure this out, I'll bet you 30 sets of clothing that you can't figure this out. And they go back and forth. And finally, they actually go to his fiance, his wife, and say, hey, you figure this out for us. So she goes and figures it out and then tells the enemy. And they come and say, this is the answer to your riddle. And Samson's so angry. He goes to a city, kills 30 dudes, takes their clothes, and goes and pays off his debt and leaves. And he's the guy that's supposed to lead the way in freeing Israel from the Philistines. He is acting like a child, isn't he? Doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Again, tremendous power and potential, but also passion. He's being driven by his passions. And then finally he's like, Oh, I should probably go back to my wife. So he rolls back over to his wife's place in verse or chapter 15. It says, Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. And he said, I'm going to my wife's room. But her father would not let him go in. And he said, "I'm sure that you hated her." He said that I gave her to one of your companions. This is your wife, but I'm sure you left, and I'm, you obviously didn't want her. So I just gave her away. This is how messed up this dad is. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. That's messed up, isn't that? Like this is this is well, you reading? If you're reading through scripture, you're like unsure oh, what you believe. You read the scripture; it's real life and it's straight up. Right, this is like dysfunctional, all kind of way from Sunday, right? So take her and said, Samson said to them, this time I will have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. Samson, again, is driven by his passions. So he went out and he caught 300 foxes and tied them their tails pair in pair. Then he fastened a torch to every pair of tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. And he burned up the shocks and the standing grain together with the vineyards and the olive groves. Basically, he's just anger, so he just starts destroying stuff. Now, how many of us out of anger, we've destroyed stuff in our life? You've said things, you've done things, you've made decisions, things you go, oh, I didn't really mean that, like, no, actually, Scripture teaches that what is in your heart will come out of your mouth, so you did mean it, and you've left holes, and you've left brokenness, you've left things all around you, you've given people bondage and baggage, and you find yourself in bondage and baggage because of your decision, because of your anger leading you to do foolish and harmful things. And then the Philistines come around and they say, who did this? And they're told it was Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Great Sunday to be back in church if you've been out for a minute. You're like, man, I don't know what, where this is going. Hopefully it ends good because right now it's pretty sad. So Samson said to them, since you acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. And he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in the cave, of the rock of Itam. Now, now here's the deal. For some of us, we're talking about having control over our past. For some of us, the reason that is so difficult for us to have control over our past is because in our past, decisions we made hurt not just us, but the people around us. And, like, if we can be real, that's really where you have difficulty. Like, if your foolishness, if your decision just affected you, you could just be like, whatever. But it affected people around you. So maybe you've received forgiveness from them, but you haven't forgiven yourself. As you look at your past, and you see all these hurts and all these pains that you have caused and you've hurt people around you. And here's the reality, too, even we see through Samson's life. It doesn't matter how much power and potential you have. If you can't control your passions, like, they will ruin you. They will destroy you. And again, some of you, that's where you see... Your past decisions that you made, you say, yeah, that was, that was not wise. That was not smart. I was intoxicated maybe literally, or maybe I was intoxicated with my own desires, with my passions, with my lust, with what I wanted right now. I could not say no to myself, and it caused tremendous pain, and it ruined me because I let passion drive for me. And here's the reality. As you, you look through the life of Samson, like he was doing that constantly. And then he runs away, and he hides in a cave, and then what happens is the Philistine army gathers up and they're like, we're going to go find Samson because he has destroyed our crops. Like, and think back again, go into the historical context of this. Like, they did not have Walmart or Sam's Club or Costco to go run to to buy food. Like, he's, like, destroying their economy. He's, he's going to cause all sorts of problems. So they gather in armies and we're going to go march and find Samson. And actually, you see uh, the Israelite people, the people that Samson was supposed to lead, gathering up and going into the cave and be like, Samson, Philistines are here for you. We need to tie you up and just give you away. Like, let us turn you over. And then Samson's like, all right. So Samson gets tied up and they take him out. And again, the supernatural strength comes on him and he breaks the ropes and he goes and he grabs the the jawbone of a donkey and he kills about a thousand people. And then he does like some old school trash talk, basically like, I've made donkeys out of you by killing you with the jawbone of a donkey, which is like clever. Like we can give him that. He's kind of dumb, but he is clever. And this is what happens, if we skip right over this verse right here. Again, you can read, this is like four chapters, you can read this, you can see all the highlights, all the stories of Samson. But then we skip over this verse in, in chapter 15, the very end, it says, and Samson led the Israel for how many years? For 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Like Samson has blown it completely, hasn't he? Like he's hiding in the cave and his own people are coming to him and saying, Samson, like you need to turn yourself in. You need to hand yourself over. And Samson was able, even after all that dysfunction, even after blowing, even after ruining everything, he was still able to lead the people for 20 years. Now to do anything for 20 years is difficult. To lead anything for 20 years is difficult. To work with people for 20 years is difficult. And Samson was able to do it. And I think in part because he matured a little bit. I think also God worked in his life. But then after 20 years, he starts to get driven by his own passions again. And you see he actually goes all the way to a city that's that's miles away, away from where he was. And he finds a prostitute and he spends the night with her. And then he's going around and he meets this lady. A lot of you, if you've heard a story of Samson, you've heard about this lady named Delilah. He meets this woman named Delilah, and Samson, again, he has tremendous power and potential, but he has no power over his passions. He's controlled by them, and a lot of times when we let our passions control us, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up to have our past control us later. And Samson goes in, he he is with Delilah, and he spends time with her, and, and then he's like, I love you so much, it's so great, and they have this great relationship. Again, he's not anywhere where he should be, he's not with who he should be, and then the Philistines, his enemies, go up to, to Delilah and like, hey, can you figure out this secret to Samson's strength? Because he's been, you know, horrible to us. He's been doing this for 20 years. Like, can you figure this out? And Samson and Delilah talk, and, and Samson tells her things and just makes up stuff. Like, if you tie me with brand new ropes, I'm just as weak as everybody else. So he falls asleep in her house. She ties him up with ropes, and then... She, hey, Samson, the Philistines are here, because she goes and tells the enemy he's all tied up, and they come in, he breaks the ropes, gets out, totally fine. Then again it happens, like, well, if you use leather this time, apparently he has some fetishes, right? Like, if you do this, that, and the other thing, if you dye my hair in this weave, if you do all these things, like, it's going to work out, and I'll be weak as any other person. And here's the reality, Samson knows exactly what Delilah's doing at some point. Because, like, how many times are you going to be fooled where, like, every time I tell you the thing that makes me weak, you do that thing, and then the enemy somehow, coincidentally, is outside, ready to get me. Like Samson's not so bright, and also I think it's, he's thinking I can just outperform, outearn, outdo my my stupid. And he's building a horrible past for himself. And then finally, Samson tells her after she nags him and nags him and nags him, he finally tells her, "Okay, if you shave my head, I'm gonna be just like everybody else." If you cut the hair on my head, because why? Because the hair on his head was a symbol of God's special mark on Samson's life, that he was set apart to do something incredible. His hair was everything. So then he falls asleep. She shaves his head. And then you can see this in in chapter 16, verse 20. It says, then she calls out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. So he woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. And watch this here. It says, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. He had no idea that God wasn't with him anymore. He was clueless. Now, if any of you have had reasonably long hair and you've gotten a haircut, you can tell there's a big difference, right? Like, you know, there, you can feel your head, your shoulders, your neck, your, everything feels different. So I don't think Samson got up and thought he had his hair. I think Samson got up and thought, God's promises don't matter. I touched this dead animal, and I still have the power. I've probably, again, I don't know if it's, it's not expressly said in Scripture. I'd assume he drank because you see his life. Like, I, I drank, I ate grapes, I did all those things. Obviously, it doesn't matter. My hair is gone. Obviously, that does not matter because God has chosen me, and I am special enough to avoid the consequences of my decisions. And here's the reality. Getting control over your past does not mean that you are exempt from consequences. You've got to own that. Like there are natural consequences to our choices and simply saying, well, I don't want to be bound by my past anymore doesn't mean you get it to skate on consequences. Because how would that work for you to go into that relationship that you have destroyed through your decisions or their decisions? It's just eroded to go and go, well, I'm not having control over my past anymore. So everything you say doesn't really matter. I have no consequences. And that's not going to work out. You still have consequences. They're still very real. But Samson goes out. He's intoxicated by his own power and passion and thinks he's fine, and he realizes pretty quickly that he's not. So he says, the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. They basically make him just a normal prison. They would give him, like, the, the work of an ox or an animal. And, like, right here, Samson's done. Like, right here, like, what else does Samson have going for him? He doesn't have his hair. He doesn't have his power. He doesn't have God. He doesn't have God's people around him. He doesn't have any authority or anything. He, like, he has ruined everything, hasn't he? He's a common prisoner now in a common prison. And he's looking probably right now back at his past and seeing all the things that he should have done differently. And go, man, if only things were different. If only I could have chosen differently. And right now he's dealing with the consequences from his choices. And also, I think he's probably saying there going, man, I cannot believe God left me. I was supposed to do this special work, and I I didn't listen to anything that God said for me, but I was supposed to do this special work, and I don't feel like I've really done it because I don't think I've lived up to my potential. Be careful with people telling you you have so much potential because pretty soon you start believing them that you have so much potential. You can stop working on stuff. Don't be someone that had potential and then doesn't have it anywhere. Like Live your life working towards doing what God has you to do. And then this little verse here, which for us doesn't mean much of anything, but for Samson it meant everything. Verse 22 says, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. See, even though Samson had forgotten God, God had not forgotten Samson. Because his hair was a symbol of all that God was going to do through him. Because this is the the promise, I set you apart, I'm going to fulfill my purpose and my promise through you despite the circumstances. Despite what you've done, I have not forgotten you. I have not forsaken you. And then Samson, while in prison, uh, gets called on by the Philistines. And the Philistines call him up. They're throwing a big party. They're all celebrating because, again, this dude has, has been horrible. has been a thorn in their side for 20 years. So they're going to throw this big party, and they're in their temple. And it says here in, in chapter 16, it says, Samson said to the servant who held his hand. See, he gets pulled up to the party. There's a servant there leading him because he's blind. He says, put me where I can fill the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now, the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Samson's being humiliated right now. He had all this power. He could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and God had his back, and it wasn't a big deal. And he took it for granted. Now, God seems to be gone, and he's humiliated performing. But Samson remembers God, and he prays to the Lord in a desperate prayer. So, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more, and let me with one blow. This is so funny. Samson's still so selfish. Get revenge on the Philistine for my two eyes. It's still about him. He's still thinking about himself. And then he reaches towards the two central pillars of the, which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one side, his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And God shows up, gives him incredible power and strength. And then it says, He pushes with all of his might, and down came the temple on the rules and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when, while he lived. Now, for some of you, you hear this story and you're like, Yeah, that's totally unbelievable. Like, not in, like, a good way. Like, that's unbelievable. Like, that's, like, not believable. Like, I will not believe that because you envision, like, this old ancient temple with these massive round pillars going up. And you've seen even pictures. And this is where, honestly, through history we've done a bad job because we just draw pictures about what we think things were like. Like, Jesus had fair skin, blonde hair, and blue eyes. Jesus did not have those. How many Hebrew people do you know with blonde hair, blue eyes, and fair skin? Like, let's just be real. And we see these pictures even of Samson, even right now, if you're looking up on your phone, like Samson pushing down the tower or the temple, you see this guy pushing, oh, he, again, it's like, it's like this white dude with you know, nice blonde hair pushing down these massive big pillars. And here's the reality, I don't think that's what it looked like. Because that's just what we thought about. But when you actually go and look into the, the history and the historical context on things, which is important, especially if you're investigating faith, don't simply read the scriptures, look into the historical account of things. So if you look, they actually, they haven't uh, excavated this temple in particular because it's uh, in the city of of Gaza, and there's actually a current city, Gaza, that might be right over it, so you can't really build and go underneath all the buildings and check things out. But they did find two other Philistine temples. The Philistines had a god named um, Dagon, Dragon, I don't know, he looks like a mermaid. For real, looks like a mermaid. Look him up, he's a mermaid god. That's why they got beat, but we'll go into that. In these Philistine temples, the way they were built, the architecture of the temple, they had two small wooden pillars at the center of the temple. Both of the the temples that they excavated and looked at, they had two small wooden pillars at the center that were about six feet apart. Now, six feet's about this big. Now, is it reasonable that Samson pushed down these massive stone pillars going up like, Probably not. Like He could still do it through the supernatural power of God. But is it reasonable that a guy could push down wooden pillars that were about this far and this far away if he really tried to and God gave him power? Absolutely. And even you look at the, the, the context of this, all the people were all on this, the roof, there were people, they were crowding this place. And they're like it was packed in there. It was filled beyond capacity. Like it wasn't safe anymore. So Samson destroys this, and here's the reality. God will take whatever means necessary to fulfill the promises he has, because what was the promise that he had for Samson? The very beginning, it says that he will lead the way in delivering Israel from the fans of the Philistines. Now, it would have been so easy for Samson to go, man, I've just blown it. Like, on repeat, I've blown it. With that woman, and with that woman, and with that woman, and with that woman, maybe that's legitimately your story. I've blown it with relationships time and time again. I've blown it with my finances time and time again. I've blown it with responsibility time and time again. And how easy is it for us to sit there in that moment and go, man, life is done. Like, there's nothing else for me. Because who would want me? Like, who would want to use me? Like, who would want to use a guy who can't control his passions, that has given his life away for so many pleasures, and is blind and unable to do just about anything? He's a prisoner in a prison. Who would want him to do anything and lead anybody? I tell you the truth, if I'm casting votes, I'm not voting for Samson in that moment. And none of us will vote for stamps. Because honestly, even in our culture, we don't cheer for redemption. We don't want people to redeem themselves. We want to look at all the bad things they did. Because when I look at the bad things you did, I feel better about myself. And if you can get your life back together and rebound from us and go on, I'm going to feel like you somehow got to pass on consequences. Well, that's not necessarily the case. It's not that Samson didn't have his consequences, that he chose to not be controlled by the decisions he made previously and said, I'm going to choose something new. I'm going to look to God again and ask God to give me the strength to do one more thing. And for a lot of us, that's what we need right now. Like your story, your past is having control over you and you need to ask God to do one more thing in your life. I don't know what it is, Maybe you need the wisdom and the strength to go talk to a counselor to get some help. Maybe you need to have one more conversation. Maybe you need to decide to apply one more time. Maybe you need to decide just one more thing. And Can I do one more thing? And will you turn to God for that one more thing? See, Paul actually echoes this idea of looking for the future not being controlled by our past. Where he said this to the Philippian church. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, looking at the future that he has, the promise that he has in Jesus. He says, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain towards on what is ahead. I'm not letting my past dictate my future. Because one of the surest ways to derail your future is to continue looking at the past. We got to put our past in its place and say, I made those decisions. We got to own it. We got to be responsible for it. We also got to remember the power it has for us. And the reality is you can't change the past, but you can change and choose the control you have that it has on you right now. And for some of you, you're going, man, I don't have like a horrible, ugly past like Sam's. I'm like, I haven't, thankfully, I haven't made all sorts of decisions. What I'd say is for some of you, you need to put this in the vault and remember this because at some point in your life, you will have something. Some of you this next week, you're going to believe these lies and these thoughts that everything is meaningless and I blew it again and God would never use me and I can't do anything special because I've blown it too many times. And again, God has got a second and third and fourth and fifth chance. Is anybody in the house excited and glad that God gives you a second chance? If that, is, that is what we need. So whether, whether it was things that you did or whether it was things that was done to you, or the question for all of us is the same. The question is, what are you holding on to from your past that's controlling your present? Like, what are the things that you're holding on to? And again, it's not skating on responsibility or consequences, those are very real, and you have consequences. Even the story of Samson his hair didn't magically grow back, and he got his eyesight again, and everything was restored. He died taking down the Philistines. He had very real consequences. And for some of us, the choices that we made do require consequences, but they don't require control over our lives. And you can live and you can walk in a new way of life, surrendering completely to Jesus, because this is the deal. We talked about the Nazarite vow, the Nazarite vow. You remember there's three key rules for that. You couldn't cut your hair, you couldn't touch or drink wine or eat grapes, and you couldn't touch anything dead. But there's a fourth thing we talked about is to finish off the vow required sacrifice. And in the story of Samson, he sacrificed himself. And again, it wasn't even about the people of Israel. Samson was still focused on himself, but God will use your decisions, good and bad, to fulfill his purposes. And Samson sacrificed himself, and in doing that, he began to take the lead in bringing the people of Israel out under the captivity of the Philistines. And because all these people are gathered around watching him and they all died. And for us to really have control and have lasting control over our past and not allow it to control us, we have to look to a greater sacrifice. So if you look at the life of Samson, you look at the life of Jesus, there are actually a lot of parallels. Both had a, a miraculous conception. Both were foretold about their life. Both of them were traded for, uh, for to the enemy by their country people. Both of them were betrayed for silver. There's very similar things happen in both of their lives because I think Samson is a picture and a type of picture of one that is to come. That's Jesus but while samson was controlled by his passions and his desires jesus was controlled by one thing and that was to do what god sent him to do to redeem all of humanity back to himself because part of the reason that we have an ugly past or we will have an ugly past is because humanity is broken isn't it and the reason people hurt you is because they're broken the reason you hurt people is because you are broken the reason i do the things i do is because i am broken and i want to be whole how about you And this is where we look to a greater sacrifice. And this is what John said about Jesus. He said, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, we can look to Jesus because he has taken and sacrificed himself. And the word atoning there means he's he's totally satisfied the judgment. Because we are broken people, we do not measure up. You don't measure up to your own standards, let alone God's standards. Right? Like every single one of us, we would acknowledge that, yeah, man, I don't live up to what I would hope I could do. And because of that lack of measuring up, scripture teaches that there is a judgment for those who don't measure up, and that's every single one of us. But the atoning sacrifice means that Jesus covered everything. And it's not just your sins, not just my sins the sins of the whole world and not just our past, but our present and our future. That's a beautiful thing about having an eternal God and where I would push you and encourage you, continue understanding and understand the depth of the character and the nature of God. Because when you understand things like God is eternal, it changes how you view his forgiveness. Because God is completely outside of time. So when he died in your place, he saw everything you did in your past. He saw everything you're doing right now. He saw everything you're ever going to do. So where is the surprise of what you did that God doesn't want to use you anymore? When God chose Samson, he knew the whole story of Samson. He knew that he would keep messing up. He knew he was going to have an ugly past. And he knew that he would redeem Samson's story through his own story. And he would bring power to Samson's life. And that Samson didn't have to be controlled by his past. And neither do we. My hope for you today is that you would understand that your past is very real. And there are significant pains and burdens and baggage for a lot of us, but those don't have to have control over us anymore. We can walk in a newness of life. doesn't mean there's no consequences. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have to control us. Would you all stand, both campuses, let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer. I want to pray. I want to pray for people who want freedom from their past, because a lot of us, again, doesn't matter what your story is, you have a story. And a lot of us would recognize my story is having control over me right now, and I want freedom from that. So for respect for people around you, would you bow your heads just to give respect for people around you? Because, again, no matter what your story is, maybe it was things done to you, things that make you feel worthless, things that make you feel shame, things that make you feel guilt and embarrassment even self-loathing. Maybe there's bitterness, there's unforgiveness, there's anger. All of these emotions have a place, and we are given our emotions for a reason, but we should not be controlled by our emotions. And you need to ask God for help to control your emotions. For some of you, it's the things that you did. Again, it's embarrassment, it's shame, and you feel like you've messed up so much, there's no hope for you, and you need hope. So whether it's you, you're saying, man, I need hope, or you're saying, I need to control. If you say, I want freedom, I need freedom from my past all over the place, both locations. Would you raise your hands right now and say, I need freedom from my past. People all over the place. I see you over here in the middle. I see you on this side over here, up in the front, in the back. People all over the place. I want to pray for you because I believe this is possible, but I also, here's the deal. I know it's a lot of work. I want you to have strength and wisdom. And this is something we do all the time at CC. We talk about getting connected. We don't want to get you connected just so we can count heads and say, oh, we have more people here. We want to get you connected so you can have community and help. And for some of you, getting connected will be the catalyst for helping you find control and freedom from your past. So even as simple as it sounds, and don't gloss over the simplicity of this, there's a card in the chair back in front of you. Fill that out. Maybe you're deciding something. Maybe you're stepping up. Maybe you want to get connected into the community. Would you fill that out? Because that is the best and easiest way for us to follow up with you to help you walk in freedom and newness of life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your power. God, thank you that our decisions do not control our our current situation now, God, that we can live in in freedom and newness of life, God. For some of us, there's incredible consequences, God, things that are difficult. And God, we want to acknowledge that we will be responsible and we will own up to those things, but we also want to acknowledge that they do not have to have control over us. God, for people in the house, God, listening right now, i got people who had things done to them that is just giving them bondage and baggage. I want to ask that you would free them from that, God, that they could walk in a new way of life. And also, God, for people who are here that they've done things, God, they are the person who has hurt people. They have done foolish things, God. I ask that you would give them, God, just give them your grace and also give them the ability to forgive themselves and give themselves grace, knowing that you have covered everything. God, we love you. We thank you so much. And in your name we pray, amen.
0: Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.